Hi and welcome to Channel Hoppers, a brand new podcast made by six friends who work in TV. We all love TV and love talking about it, so thought we'd come together to chat about what's new. We'll be focusing on scripted shows on both terrestrial TV and streaming platforms to see what's out there and what's worth watching. My name's Tom and today I'm joined with Emily, Vicky, Io, David and Amy. Coming up we'll be talking about Sweet Tooth on Netflix and Time on the BBC iPlayer. But before we do that, this is a rundown of notable shows that are around at the moment. So Amy, you've been looking at Netflix this week. What's new on Netflix? So I have been really looking forward to, for a long time, season four of Atypical. So yeah, that's had, had three seasons so far and it follows, it's sort of an, a quirky, offbeat comedy really heartwarming and it follows Sam who's a teenager with autism spectrum disorder and so far the last three seasons have sort of followed him going from high school his trials and tribulations as a teenager dealing with his parents his sister who is not always the nicest to him (laughs) but also absolutely adores him and just his friends and sort of learning to navigate the world just through his very own unique experience and yeah, this this particular season is kind of following him as he moves out of the family home and takes that first step into adulthood. He's now a college student and he's just going forward to deal with everything that that brings with it. I just really love this show. It's brilliant. It's so, yeah, like I said, very heartwarming. It's an easy watch, but it also focuses a lot on lots of different characters and they all have their own art, their own story. And it's just really lovely, great, enjoyable telly. <laughs> so you watched the first three series? Yeah, I have. I think Vicky's watched it as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm really looking forward to it as well. It's one of my favourite series that's on. It's such an easy watch. It's It's got real heart at the centre of it, but it does deal with some like really hard-hitting issues. And they've really developed all the characters around Sam. So it's not just a programme about Sam with some here's a generic family member, like you care about his sister and what she goes through, the relationship between the mum and dad. It's, yeah, it's brilliant. It's, it's worth a watch. Yeah, really is worth a watch, definitely. Just put that on your radar. Amazing, amazing. Emily, you've been looking at the BBC. What's what's new on the BBC? Yeah, so on BBC, we've got the second series of Baptiste. It's out now on BBC iPlayer and BBC One. It's the second series and it's a spin-off to The Missing, if anyone watched The Missing. So it's like one of the central characters from The Missing has sort of got his own show. So this series is set in Hungary and apparently it'll be the final time we see Baptiste's character. So I'm expecting quite big... Th- I've watched all of The Missing and then the first series of Baptiste, I'm expecting quite big things from this series it stars Fiona Shaw who a lot of people will know well she's been in loads but she's like Carolyn in Killing Eve you know the really amazing Carolyn so yeah she's like one of the leads in this series and yeah the last series ended and we discovered that like Baptiste had a long lost son Niels who ended up betraying him and then Niels shot his mother dead shot Baptiste in the arm and ended up in prison so I'd be quite interested to see like if this series sort of explores that relationship with his son any further or but yeah I've enjoyed all the I don't know if anyone else has seen it but I've I have enjoyed the other ones I've not seen this but I've watched The Missing a bit of The Missing yeah 
it's the same sort of, uh, Baptiste is obviously like the detective from that. So it's kind of, yeah, he becomes like the main protagonist here. But yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Like if you, you don't have to, you obviously don't have to have seen The Missing to have watched it. Yeah. So it's, it's not like it's standalone. Yeah, yeah, you can watch it as a complete standalone. Does it complement it though if you do watch it? Like you've already got a rapport with the, the detective? Or I guess, I don't think it's necessary, especially if you have an awful memory like me. I don't even remember watching <laughs> watching half of it. So <laughs> it's very standalone for me anyway. But I think you can totally watch it. Yeah, separate. Yeah. That's kind of why they made Baptiste though, wasn't it? Because he wasn't originally the main character in The Missing, but just was kind of the most gripping. So he got his own series off the back of that. Yeah, and I think he's kind of what um, you want from a detective. You know, like kind of he obviously propels the story forward by investigating the crime, but also he's very interesting and he's got a lot going on himself. So I think that's, yeah, the perfect detective, isn't it? Where they're very intriguing as well as the crimes they're investigating. So, yeah, I can totally see why they did a spin-off with it. But yeah, so I'll be watching that, I think. Cool. On Channel 4, there's a new series of The Handmaid's Tale. And Aya, you've been looking at that? Yeah, so it picked up from season three, so we've got an injured June. If anyone hasn't actually watched it, it's a dystopian TV series and it's based on Margaret Atwood's book. And yeah, so as Tom said, we're in the fourth season and we're picking up on June, an injured June's continued battle for freedom against Gilead. The series is inspired by Margaret Atwood's best-selling book. It's a dystopian TV series. It's just full of twists and turns and very bleak storylines, but it's really... It's a really engaging watch. I'm always hooked whenever I watch it, so I'm excited to see where the rest of the series goes. Has anyone else been watching it? Yeah, I thought it took a dip towards the end of series two because it came a bit samey. It was like, she tries to escape, she doesn't escape, she tries to escape. And it, like you knew what was coming up. And then I thought the last series with, oh, I've forgotten his name from... Is it Bradley Whitford? Commander Lawrence character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. And so, yeah, really looking forward to this series. I've watched the first couple of episodes and it hasn't disappointed yet. So Yeah, I like that it's in a different location, it seems, as well. So, obviously, we've got a brand new kind of... It feels like another world to explore in that sense. Yes, so, yeah, yeah and different sides to the different people. So, like, we've got one of the commander's wives who is actually, like, a 13-year-old girl and the different Marthas. And then what's happened to the plane that landed in Canada that kind of a bit of political I suppose but yeah. yeah really good I think I need to catch up I I think I stopped watching after series two so I really need to catch up I was just very frustrated by the end of series two yes yeah, yeah that's what I thought I'm glad I watched series three it does pick back up again but yeah, I okay, thought it was, yeah. towards the end of series two it lost its way a little bit yeah I think I need to because especially like you guys saying it's it's got back on track I think I do need to yeah pick it up again and Vicky what's new on Disney plus I've been watching Marvel's MODOK on Disney+, Plus, which is a stop-motion animation centering around a supervillain with a big head and a little body trying to keep control <laughs> of his company's dysfunctional family. I didn't want to watch this to begin with because I was kind of thinking it's another Marvel, I'm watching Loki, I've watched all of them, all that kind of thing. It's hilarious. It's really channeling Seth Green's Robot Chicken. I think he's one of the exec producers on it. And it's got the voice talents of Patton Oswalt, Ben Schwartz and Amy Garcia. I mean, Patton Oswalt was ha- the little donkey and happy, which was brilliant. If you imagine that, but as a supervillain. Yeah, if you're into Robot Chicken and any of the adult swim animations, which are all like, they're very, it's very adult, like don't watch this with your kids, but very silly. The episode we watched last night was all about creating a time machine to take his wife back to watch a Hooberstank concert or a Third Eye Blind concert or something ridiculous. And then they get stuck. It's, yeah, it's good. Can I, can I just say, have Marvel just not been absolutely like killing it with the TV that they've put out so far? Yeah. But like, has it not all just been flawless? 
I feel like the beginning of each new Marvel series that I watch, and I did this with WandaVision and then Falcon Winter Soldier, and then again with Loki in this previous week when I just watched that, the first couple of episodes, I'm really trying to be like, this is boring. It's so much admin in it. This isn't. And by the end of the series, I'm like, that's the best thing I've ever watched. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do feel like you've all said that about WandaVision and then Loki and yeah, everything you've watched, Captain America. No, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Does it cross over and mention any other of the Marvel Universe? Is oh, it pretty much in its own up, kind of no, world? Yeah, it crosses over. But, I mean, you've got, is it John Hamm from Mad Men playing Iron Man? And it's all comedic versions of them. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't take itself seriously at all. It does look really funny from what I've seen of it. Yeah, it's worth, and they're really, they're not too long, the episodes. And it's really nice to watch something in a stop motion animation. I don't know why, it's just quite nostalgic about it. But yeah, very silly, very funny. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, that does sound good. Cool, cool. So that's what's on. And now we're going to have a closer look at some of the shows we've been watching this week. Up first is a look at Sweet Tooth on Netflix. We've been watching Sweet Tooth, which is on Netflix. There's eight 50-minute episodes, and it's an adventure across the post-apocalyptic world where a half-human and half-deer hybrid boy called Gus, who's lovable, searches for a new beginning with a gruff protector. And it's based on a DC comic series created, written, and drawn by Jeff Lemire, and it's starring Nonzo Anonzi, Adil Akhtar, and Christian Convery as the adorable Gus. So what did we think? So at first I was really not not that into it, I'm not going to lie. I thought, oh, first episode, I was a little bit hooked, and then it took me a while to get into the story. But as soon as I was in, which probably by episode two, I just thought it was really, really well-told story, and it had so many nice themes that I really liked about it. And I don't know, I really enjoyed it. It felt very cinematic. I don't know if you guys thought this. I guess that's probably because it was Warner Brothers, and you kind of felt like... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. landscapes. Yeah, really, you can tell they spent a lot of money on it. Um, I've got a lot to say about other things. So what were your you guys originally? Yeah, I'm interested to what Amy, because this to me wasn't Amy's typical series. And so I'm really interested to hear what you would say about it. Yeah, it's definitely not my, it's not something that I would have gone out and sought out. But that said, I had had it recommended to me by a couple of people, like some of our friends said, oh, you really must watch it. And that not people that I would have, thought it would have appealed to as well so I was you know quite intrigued to see what it was like I must say I watched the first episode and then kind of left it for a couple of weeks and then came back to it purely because I have I'll get this out of the way because I, I do have a lot of positive things to say but one real massive bugbear for me and this might just be like a personal thing I cannot stand voiceover with very few exceptions I hate voiceover so much. And I do understand that because this is obviously based on a comic, it does sort of suit the... It was you a know, storybook, wasn't it? it yeah. was every episode was like, here's a new story for you I'm kids. You so it did that. feel quite family-friendly, child-friendly in that sense. Yeah, and I do get that. And, you know, the voice, the, I can't remember what the name of the actor... Every time I hear his voice, I'm like, I know who you are, but I cannot think what your name is. Or I can, know, I can picture his face really clearly in my head, but it's got very, yeah, right that narrative storybook kind of voice but just yeah it really I find it so difficult when it's like this is the story of a very special boy I'm like yeah yeah, he's got deer ears and antlers I know it's the story of a very special boy I can see the very special boy in front of me so that was kind of a hurdle to get over but I will say once I got over that 
even though it did continue to frustrate me throughout the series, it was not enough to put me off this general story. I did definitely, I fell for Gus. I fell for, yeah, his journey. And I thought that you're right. It was beautiful, like beautifully shot. It was very cinematic. And I did like that there were lots of different stories to pick up on because I do think that's something that's missing sometimes in these post-apocalyptic yes, yeah. programs is that you get, you, you know, you very much focus on the one main character's journey or like, you know, on, Obviously, it's not really comparable to The Walking Dead, but I'm thinking of The Walking Dead where you follow like this one tribe and obviously you yes. meet the people they interact with. But this had some very distinct kind of factions of different people who are all experiencing quite different, you know, having different experiences of the apocalypse. And I thought that was really interesting. I particularly liked the Adil Akhtar story, which took me a little bit longer to get into, but then once you did you're right, I had really, really interesting themes that kind of were picked out there. I thought there was quite, a, you know, it was all about tribalism and othering. And I just thought it was, it was a brilliant lens to explore those, all those different themes. So yeah, I'm, I'm sold. You, you won me over. Yes, <laughs> finally. <laughs> you um, loved it, didn't you? Because I mean, we've seen so many post-apocalyptic dramas and I knew as soon as COVID hit last March, me and my husband would turn to each other and we were like, everything's going to be post-apocalyptic from now but it's all it's we were kind of thinking how real is it going to feel because we've lived through it so we've lived through a virus taking over and we didn't loot and we didn't do other things and we didn't you know the world didn't fall to pieces we weren't riding horses around gated communities but saying that obviously it's going to be heightened it's a drama I thought what it did really well was it pulled in some of them little aspects of like you say in a deal actors where they're in a gated community and if someone gets the virus or if something happens, the kind of the neighbours who turn on them so quickly. Oh, that mirror. Yeah. yeah. And you just think, you know, awful. that mirrors a very extreme versions of what we've heard about that happened when, you know, we were told to rat on our neighbours if they broke COVID rules. And then I thought, like, wearing the masks. And when he was like, we don't have the virus when he sat around the family table. But what I really enjoyed about this and what you touched on the Amy as well is, and I think it's comparable to Walking Dead completely, it's another post-apocalyptic drama, this is just a bit more child-friendly in my eyes, is what I disliked about The Walking Dead in places was that it was so focused on that one troop of survivors that I like it when it goes from place to place, when you go on a journey with them, when you meet the different people, when you meet their different experiences in this world, you meet the child whose you know, family's ripped away from her, so she's created her own family elsewhere. You meet the people who are prospering through this new world. You meet the people who are so you know, driven by fear of something different that they're going to kill people without realising or that they're testing on people without knowing. It's, yeah, I just, I thought it dragged in a lot of all these different elements that it, from good post-apocalyptic dramas and brought it into something that was really palatable and actually in places adorable <laughs> yeah that's it, it I think, like making a post-apocalyptic world palatable is actually very impressive if you think about it and making it child-friendly as you both said and I think one relationship that stood out for me was like I'm just going to refer to them as big man and little man just because I just yeah. thought it was just the cutest dynamic it reminded me of there's a film called Hunt Hunt for the Wilder People, and it's got oh, a similar. Love that. Oh, yeah. I love that. Film. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just so heartwarming, and you just root for them the whole way through, and you don't expect to because it's such an odd pairing. And I think when TV shows or movies get that right, you can watch like you watch those scenes forever. And I could like even if the story wasn't as good as it was, 
I would have watched that alone for ages. And yeah, I definitely agree. The voiceover was a bit off-putting, but it had so many redeemable other factors, like you guys were saying. And if you weren't interested in one story, you could at least kind of tune into another story. And it seems like it's set up for our season two. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think they've um, commissioned it for like two more series or something because it did so oh, well, didn't it? Yeah. See, I'm one episode off the end, so I can't, oh, I, okay. I, I will go back and finish it. But yeah, no, I, I definitely, I, I did enjoy it. And I, I yeah, I, I don't actually have anything other than the voiceover. I don't have a bad word to say about it, really. So yeah, Pump for the World of People is a, a great Neil, kind of connection. It? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Michael T directed it. Yes. Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and directed it, didn't he? Which is funny because actually the other I've only just made the connection, but the film that I thought of was Jojo Rabbit, which is also tied yeah. by T yeah, yeah. So it definitely does have something of that sensibility. Although it's not the same kind of comedy, but it definitely he has that it's way of innocence. picking out yeah, yeah, children kind of of making sense of the world, of the adult world, that of like a world that they've kind of been put into that they that that's not of their making and they have to learn how to deal with it. And I think that's quite, yeah, that was sort of the central idea of Gus. And yeah, really, I did think that, yeah, it does have similarities with both of those films. Up next is a review of Time, available to stream now on BBC iPlayer. So Time is three hour-long episodes, and it stars Sean Bean and Stephen Graham. It's written by Jimmy McGovern, who's known for shows like Hillsborough, The Lakes, The Street, and Accused. So the premise is that Mark Cobden, who's a teacher who's never committed a crime before in his life and has now ended up in prison, and he's just way out of his depth. And when he's in there, he meets Eric McNally, which is Stephen Graham, and he's a prison officer on the wing. So the series follows the two men as they kind of struggle to... Well, it's basically all about sort of corruption within the prison and it's the two men trying to deal with that from one as a prisoner, one as the prison officer. So yeah, what did you guys think? I thoroughly enjoyed it. That first episode is very bleak and it's very, like, you feel like you're in there in a the prison, you feel you can feel the damp on the wall and smell the different arrays in there and whatnot. I felt like I was in there when I was watching it. It was quite very real. I think, obviously, as you said, Sean Bean, Stephen Graham, I think they were excellent throughout. But the supporting cast was just up there with them as well, in a sense of like they're different little bit of prisoners that you jumped into their lives for a couple of scenes. I think they're really they won't feel they're really populated and complemented these the, the two main characters and whatnot. How you know obviously you got your kind of like career criminals who are just nasty and in and out of jail, but then you had those criminals who you know you had that one guy with that gambling habit. I won't go into spoilers and whatnot, but it was kind of, he made a decision which kind of backfired and he ended up in prison, do you mm. know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you know, you can see on people where they get down on their lock and then up in there and stuff like that. So I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, I think it's interesting that you said you felt as though you were there or felt as yeah. though like you were kind of, you were kind of part of it. Because I, th- I think like the narrative did that a little bit as well in terms of the fact that like all of the characters within it were, were sort of trapped. So like, you had the prisoners that were trapped, but similarly, Stephen Graham's character was was trapped by the system as well, wasn't it? Like it found a way to to make him run out of options and found a way to to kind of drag him down as well. So I I, I thought it was great in that sense. Because what I what I thought was really good was like just following on from that was that how it wasn't it wasn't like the prisoners versus the prison officers, and it wasn't like bent versus straight. Yeah, it was. You could just see how the corruption just sort of destroyed them all you know like how it affected them all and they were all in it together yeah. it didn't show like 
the prison officers bit as being the bad guys or vice versa. It was all very like they were all in it together in that sense. It kind of touched them all. So I thought that was really good how it, yeah, it wasn't, I think you're quite used to seeing, you know, like one versus the other or so, yeah, it was a nice to just see how it affected them all. I thought. I mean, they've really set that world, that prison life, that prison world, because mm. it's different from real, from real life. You know? I mean, there's different rules mm. in there, you know, as you see Sean Bean's character try and navigate that life and that world in there and he had to come out of his comfort zone and do things he necessarily wouldn't do on the outside world but to survive in there and I thought you he did a way of just explaining it well and you just got it you didn't think oh that's a bit unbelievable and then touching on that having spoken to people who've been incarcerated having heard their stories and watching this it completely was real do you know what I mean it's like I, I've you know former researchers on <laughs> In, the, in his team will we'll probably like wax lyrical about it but I just thought it you know very realistic yeah I was I was wondering how because it felt it felt very realistic I was wondering how it stood up so, sorry to interrupt I've, I've got to chip in on that because I spoke to our prison advisor so, so I work with prison advisors for TV and I spoke to ours this week and he did actually say it wasn't that accurate in terms of like how it represented prisons yeah he said he turned it off after the first episode because <laughs> it was unrealistic. <laughs> That's crazy to think because I haven't spoken to like people who've been caught. That kind of like not to give spoilers away, but how you kind of have to do certain things to not be a victim or to get get yourself around, get yourself around in there. Like that's very accurate from a lot of different people I've spoken to that have been inside there. So I'm quite surprised about that. It did feel realistic. It did. I was. I'm surprised that yeah. If people are saying it's completely inaccurate, yeah, because it it certainly felt very. It definitely was a good deterrent to not make you want to go to prison. Because God, it De- looked really. Yeah. I have to say, it's not something I would like. It's not something I would normally have watched at all. Like, so I'm. I'm glad you guys pushed me to watch it because I would never have like watched. It was pretty grueling, I think, and. But I've, like I hate like gruesome stuff. It wasn't it wasn't unbearable in that sense. There were some quite grim scenes, but it wasn't on what I didn't have to like hide behind a cushion or anything. But it was it was fairly hard going. But I think it it was like really watchable and really well done. But yeah, definitely deter- definitely a deterrent for going to prison. I would say. Hundred yeah. In term in terms of being like gruesome, I did think that scene with his first inmate, the the Welsh guy. Oh yeah. When he was like when he was self harming, like I could barely watch that. I found that I found that pretty distressing. Yeah, I mean, it was grim. It just wasn't. It wasn't. T- it was watchable for me. It was watchable. We'll touch on that. Another kind of thing that they just put up there, you know, in terms of like, because I'm a firm believer in rehabilitation and stuff like that. And I think they kind of subtly hint. Well, not subtly hinting that you know that these prison services are stretched and there's certain people that shouldn't really be in there. They should be kind of introduced in, like that prisoner there. You know, he needed specific professional help, but you know. In that scene where Stephen Graham's character kind of explains that like, half these people in here shouldn't be in there. They should be, you know, in in places where they can get actual professional help. I thought that was kind of really, really yeah. It touched well on quite a few issues, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that 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 theme was kind of picked up at the end with his scout inmate, the guy that was in with him, who kind of came into the system pretty level-headed and quite relatable and quite nice, but then when he left. He was sort of, he didn't know who he was or he was perhaps on, mess, on the yeah. way to being like catatonic. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely made you think about how, it definitely made you think about the flaws of our prison system as like its ability to be rehabilitative, if that's a word, or ability to rehabilitate. Yeah, I thought it was a good cross-section of like a lot of the issues that I'm sure prisons are facing. Like it was a really good cross-section of 
what is sort of going on inside and how how hard it is to sort of stay on the straight and narrow and just get your head down and like do your time it's not as simple as that it was really tight in that sense I think I think it did I think it did it really well to tie in all of those all of those various mm. the various points within one narrative that kind of picked up on prison guards prisoners themselves yeah one other thing that I was just going to mention is that it, it kind of made me think about justice and it made me think about once you cross a certain moral line is is there any justice for the victims for like the perpetrators when, when you're talking about murder and, and those sorts of things because it, it focused on how the victims families had been impacted and things like that mm. it made you just think about is there any such thing as justice when you get to a certain stage if someone is killed is that is that just complete chaos from that point onwards like can a prison system rehabilitate can it bring justice can it can it ever bring peace I think what it did show is that like a lot of the time the person who's committed the crime is not this sort of two-dimensional so where like I'm sure a lot of people think what they've done is unforgivable it showed this the humanity behind that person it it wasn't oh this is just a two-dimensional villain who's a psychopath it was you could see how they'd got to that place and you could see their backstory and what whilst their crime may be un forgivable then it's it definitely rounded them out it wasn't yeah I thought that was very like when you saw them meet the victims fam- you saw the prisoner meet the victims families and stuff there was no it was like there was no winners there was there it wasn't it wasn't a, no I've, I've got to ask off the back of that Emily like what did you what did you make of because I had some thoughts on it did you buy so that that scouse inmate who was explaining to his victims parents did you buy his like testimony of why he did it when he said like once I've drawn the knife like I had no choice did that did that feel like human to you or did that feel like good writing basically or did that did that not feel that human to to me it felt it did because on in that moment I can imagine that was what was in you know they're almost not thinking about the repercussions that's kind of all they know and that's kind of the status of how they live their lives so in that moment he he couldn't back down because that would have meant something else if he'd backed down and I I bought that but what did you think David did you I agree with you fully I think from the moment the whole the whole story the structure of it I mean the reason why they went outside you know was because he was he was trying to save face and in the moment he pulled that out he knew there was no going back so I fully bought that story mm. yeah but yeah I think generally like I would definitely like I said I, I probably wouldn't have watched it without you guys pushing me to but I definitely would recommend it I think it's it is very bleak but I think it's important to watch it's good to watch there's amazing performances in it yeah and yeah it's, it's a good story as well isn't it just say it does offer some light as well I it's, think yeah. it, I do think they have the equilibrium of the, the bleakness and the kind of the optimism of it as well yeah optimism is a good word maybe not happiness but optimism <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time for rogue shows Rogue shows is where we recommend a couple of shows which may have passed you by or we feel are worth revisiting. So Unorthodox is on Netflix. It came out as a limited series in 2020 and it's about an Orthodox Jewish woman running away from her husband and her life to Berlin. So I found it quite randomly actually and I was watching it with a TV group and I never would have watched it if I was if I wasn't part of that group. And I thought it was really a really insightful story into this woman Esty's life, just exploring her life going from, she lives in Brooklyn, I think it is, Brooklyn, New York, and she goes off to Berlin, as I said, and 
we follow her go through this journey of self-discovery and we do explore her religion in a really, I would say, like, I hope to say balanced, but because I'm not an Orthodox Jew, I couldn't tell you, but the story is based on somebody else's story, a real life story. And I would hope that because she's experienced this, that it's quite reflective and true, true to life and the way that the Jewish community is represented isn't all negative. So I think that's quite redeeming for it. And I really enjoyed it as much as it does explore trauma. And we do kind of at some points think, oh gosh, this this woman has lived quite a difficult life. We're still, we see her experience these new things and go through so many new and exciting experiences despite her trauma. And we also watch her find community and it's just, I would 100% recommend it. It's really, it's a really good watch, really interesting. And yeah, I've only got good things to say about it. And I know a couple of other people have watched it too. So I think you might agree. Yeah, yeah. I watched that. I thought it was amazing. Amy, you were talking about End of the Fucking World. Yeah, so I was saying earlier I pick my rogue shows based on things that I've come to a little bit later on. So that's it's rogue for me, so it's going to be rogue for you. But I, yeah, really, really loved this when I found it. It's not battle. It originally aired on Channel 4, I think, in 2017. But there are two seasons of End of the Effing World, both eight episodes each, and I think they're half-hour episodes, roughly. So it's quite an easy watch. It's quite nice companion piece to everything we've been talking about today because it's based on a comic book and it definitely has that comic book feel like it's you know it takes these two characters who are both British but it sets them in a sort of slightly quirky 70s style but also is the modern day and but there's diners and it's quite Americanized in certain places it's like an alternative kind of world and it follows James who is a teenager, a 17-year-old boy who believes himself to be a psychopath and he wants to murder someone to find out if he is. And Alyssa is another girl at his school who's also 17 who's going through her own traumatic times and she just decides to run away from everything, all her problems that are going on at home and sort of drags James into it and together they become embroiled in a series of unfortunate events which just is it's great fun it's really funny and it's very touching you know like we were saying earlier about how when you have a really good central relationship between two characters it just absolutely makes the show this is 100% one of those examples and it just I don't know I found it really genuinely heartwarming to watch because you don't often get teenagers represented in such a I don't know honest way I think that the dialogue is brilliant and also um, I must say because anyone who's watched this will be going this is littered with voiceover and she's just said she hates voiceover this is one of the notable exceptions to that rule because convenient well yeah I know the voiceover here this is an example you can watch it and then thank me later but this is an example of where voiceover has been used in a way that adds to what you're seeing you know what visuals are on the screen it doesn't just tell you again what's happening in front of you so I think yeah just definitely go away and watch it it's it like I said it's only 16 episodes total and it's just a really great fun but like we'll have you laughing one minute and have you crying the next kind of show so yeah if you like that sort of thing then go away it. it is brilliant it's on Netflix as well now
Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. We're Channel Hoppers Pod on Instagram. See you next time.